This is episode number 129. What are the gifts in our experience with coronavirus? With Rob Sullivan. Welcome. My name is Oleg Lohid, and this is the Overcoming Odds Podcast, where you get a glimpse into the stories of individuals who have overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving their personal success. This podcast was built by you and for you to help you overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving your fullest potential. Before we get into today's episode, I'd like to make a brief announcement regarding our virtual meetup, Courageous Conversations. This is something that we started a few weeks ago through Zoom, where every single Saturday at 9 a.m. Central Time, we host a one-hour-long call for all of us within the community to connect and to learn more about each other and the individual journeys that we take within our lives. If you're interested in joining any of the upcoming calls, go ahead and leave us a message through our website, to which we'll respond with all the details where you can join and at what time. Now, let's get back to our show. Welcome back to another episode of the Overcoming Odds podcast. Today's guest is someone that I was introduced to through a mutual friend of ours, Justin, that I met through a Facebook group that we're a part of, and his name is Rob Sullivan, and I wanted to connect with him and learn more about his story and also his experiences when it comes to this concept of reframing, because I think it's very much needed, especially in today's day and age, considering everything that we're experiencing, not only as a city, as a country, but ultimately the world. So, Rob, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us. Before we get into this episode and start to break down different elements and tools that you've used throughout your life when it comes Mm -hmm. to this concept of reframing and creating those windows of opportunities within the adversities, I want to give you a chance to introduce yourself to some of our listeners that may not be familiar with your story and considering that we don't have a a LinkedIn summary or a Facebook bio right next to us that people can refer to. I want to give this chance to you and ask you this question of who are you? (laughs) All right. I will do my best to be concise on that one. Uh, (laughs) For the most part, what I do is I'm, it's a challenge, right? I'm a professional speaker. So I lead workshops for companies uh, and groups around the country and even around the world. I've been doing more international stuff lately. My personal passion related to that is helping people with the communication aspect of things because mm-hmm. uh, that's what I found is the, the missing link for a lot of people in terms of uh, the gap between where they are and where they want to be. And so whether I'm leading a sales training workshop or presentation skills or whatever it happens to be, I do a lot of leadership training and change management, all that kind of stuff. Uh, the common denominator and all that is Communication. How do we communicate with each other? Mm-hmm. And ironically, this is not something that I was, uh, in many respects, born to do. If you asked some of my former girlfriends if they thought that I'd be a communications <laughs> coach, they probably would have said absolutely not because I was a terrible communicator. But that's one of the things that you know I bring to the table is I know what it feels like to not be a good communicator and just how important that is. Mm-hmm. So it, it works into the executive coaching I do, the ride-along coaching I do with salespeople. You know, it's, it's a factor in every little workshop that I lead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you think people struggle with communication to begin with? People are 
very afraid of how people are going to respond and take, you know, one of the, the one that comes into my mind, take, you know, something is common is, you know, everybody at one time or another knows somebody who's lost a loved one. Mm -hmm. And in many cases, people do this disappearing act because they don't know what to say, but I've got news for you. It isn't the words that matter in that situation. I don't remember, you know, like for example, my best friend killed himself two weeks after he graduated from high school. I do not remember a single thing that anybody said to me, but I do remember who was there by my side and who was helping me through it. The words don't matter. I mean, unless you're a hopeless clod and say something incredibly stupid, but most people don't. Um, and even if you did, it would probably be forgotten anyway. Uh, but it's, people are really afraid of that. They're afraid of what, how people are going to react. Mm -hmm. You know, the reason why I asked that question is because it's something that I had to learn through and better understand over my years is there this concept of people giving um, fill in the blank about what you say and what you do only happens for, I think a slight period of time, like the minute or five minutes or 10 minutes. And after that, people literally move on with their own lives. And that's what I've learned is that at the end of the day, we can sit here and we can worry about, well, what do others think of me or how are they going to, are they going to accept me back into this group if I do this or if I tell them this? And in, in all honesty, what I've learned is that people have their own lives and people do move on. And the reason why is because they have to. All the different tasks that we have within our lives, there's one thing for me to sit here and say, I can't believe Rob said that and have it consume my whole day. But in reality, that may only happen for five to 10 minutes of that particular day. And then I literally have to move on in order for me to achieve the remainder of my day. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so it, people do, you're exactly right. People have a different focus in terms of what's important to them. And so, you know, but what does stay with them is, is the feeling of an experience. So if you were there for somebody, you didn't even have to have said anything, like take a difficult mm -hmm. scenario, like the one I talked about, uh, you know, it's the intention that people get. Same thing when I'm coaching managers and how they're uh, managing and coaching their teams. They're worried about the words they're using. It's not. It's about the intention. Is your intention to lift somebody up and help them be the best version of themselves? Or is your intention to be a jerk and let everybody know how smart you are and, and how you can't believe somebody would make a mistake that dumb? You know, that's mm -hmm. the kind of, there's a huge difference between those two styles. You know, there's a light years in between. Uh, and not everybody's clear on that distinction of mm -hmm. the importance of intention. Mm -hmm. I've seen very, very critical feedback be given with the most glowing of intentions and have it received to the point where the people, everyone in the room was like, wow, tell me more, tell me more. And I was looking, thinking to myself, if I had read a transcript of this session, I would have thought that person got murdered in the parking lot because of how you know, difficult the feedback that she gave to the team was. But it wasn't like that at all because her intention was to lift everybody up. They heard it that way too. Mm -hmm. I think this is a perfect topic to speak about, especially during this particular time that we're experiencing as, as I mentioned earlier, as a city country in the world with this pandemic that's happening. And the reason why is because there's so many elements of communication that are worthwhile breaking down when it comes to this. One of them is our operating system. What are we operating from? The fear, the scarcity mindset, or the mindset of possibility? and opportunities. And yes, this is happening to us, but what can we learn from it? And so I'm, I'm curious to know kind of from your lens, 
how are you able to do that? How do you reframe your current circumstances that may involve not having as many speaking engagements or not having them in person? What do, what do you do for yourself to remind yourself that, hey, even though this is happening in the outside world, there's still opportunities for me within all this? Exactly. Well, I'll be the first one to admit I'm human. So when I realized that speaking engagements were getting postponed and delayed and whatnot, my very first thought was, okay, well, where can I cut back a bit to stretch things out for a little longer? Then I thought, wait a minute, stop. You're asking the wrong question because as you said, that's a scarcity mentality. That is there's not enough. And so I quickly, you know, as quickly as I could shifted and said, all right, what is the gift in this? Because every single time that I've gone through a challenge, uh, and I've been through some interesting challenges. I had lymphoma five years ago. So I went through you know, six months of chemo, uh, you know, with a diagnosis that my dad, who was a doctor, once told me, he said, you know what you had? He said, that was a death sentence when I was in medical school. Now they don't even use the word remission. They use the word cure. But it was this incredible experience because for, you know, the, it was bookended by uncertainty. There was uncertainty at the beginning with what was it that was happening to me. And there was uncertainty at the end of whether or not did we get it all. And so what you learn in that moment is who am I in the face of uncertainty? That was Mm -hmm. one of the gifts. Uh, The other gift was just the incredible love that showed up into my life from people that I didn't even know who many of them were. You know, they were complete strangers or acquaintances who showed up in a way that you just would never have expected. And so there were all these gifts along the way. And that was when I started thinking about what we're going through now with Corona. I thought, okay, well, I have a choice. I can focus on the scarcity and when's the next gig going to come through. Or I can say, look at this as a gift and say, all right, well, here's the opportunity to develop the programs that you've been thinking about to get more proficient with the online technology and things like that. You know, as a speaker, I love the energy of being face to face, but fortunately, I have a radio background too. So standing in a room by myself and talking to a wall is something I'm absolutely comfortable <laughs> with. You know, so there, you know, but it, it, it's not my first choice, but I can do it. Right. Mm-hmm. So looking for that gift, it's, uh, and like I said, I'm no saint. I, you know, every, it's a reminder every day. You have to choose again because Every day there's another reminder of, you know, who's sick or whatever. And I, I literally don't even watch the news. I, I, I don't want to know. I've just asked people, you know, tell me when I can leave my house because mm-hmm. it doesn't serve me. Your brain can only do one thing at a time. I can't focus on possibility and creation and be sitting there thinking about the world collapsing around me. It just doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. And I think that's an important thing to point out is in regard to the news. One of the things that I've learned recently was I was reading an article by a friend of mine who used to work, and I think he still does in the field of journalism. And one of the things that he mentioned was that, yes, even though the news, that's kind of how it's, it's built or majority of it. And that is to focus on these um, fear-based events. And I, I don't know why, but there's, I'm assuming there's something psychologically that draws our attention more to the elements of suffering and pain versus elements of joy. Well, there absolutely is. So you can prove it to yourself. So for a moment, just imagine what mm-hmm. is the most incredible thing that you could think of happening to you? And, you know, it doesn't keep it to yourself. It doesn't have to be family friendly or whatever. Just, you know, it's something incredible and amazing and fun. Mm-hmm. And then, okay, after you get that in your mind, now think about what is the most devastating 
awful thing that you can imagine. If you put the two of them on a scale side by side, which one's heavier? The negative one. The negative one. You, there, you can't imagine a positive scenario that is ever going to outweigh the negative. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know why our brains are wired like that, but it's true and it's pretty universal. I have yet to meet anybody who said that the positive outweighed the negative. Mm-hmm. And so it's just how we tend to focus things. I think if you really had to go back, it's probably a survival mechanism. You know, even the handshake was developed as a way to demonstrate that you didn't have a weapon. So, you know, our ancestors were constantly in survival mode. Fortunately, we're not usually like that most of the time anymore, although now is a little bit different in that regard. But, you know, that is, uh, that's one of the gifts of modern day living, but we have the, all the artifacts of all the fear-based, you know, be suspicious of people, uh, you know, be careful, you know, all that kind of stuff is just programmed. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know that we're going to get around it. We just have to, it's a constant daily reminder that there's an abundant world and you know, most people are good and all that kind of good stuff. Mm-hmm. Because isn't it is it, true. It is. And isn't it also interesting to think about how in our mind, I'll speak from my perspective in my mind, it seems that the positive and negative are always equal, but really they're not. And, and yeah. it's one of the things that I remember I listened to a podcast a little while ago and the person that was being interviewed on it, he had studied this with athletes So he actually goes into different athletic facilities and he trains the athletes to not only internalize positive messages, but externalize them as well. Because what ends up happening, and this is one of the things he he shared, was when you externalize a negative thought and then you externalize a positive thought, I think it's three to four times higher frequency uh, compared to the positive one. So the chances of it manifesting are that much higher if you think about it. And so it's in my mind, I've always thought that, well, negative and a positive always equal 50, 50, 50. But really when you, when you think about it in reality, that's just not the truth. The negative one is so much higher vibration and frequency. And the other thing that you mentioned, which I also find interesting is that we're all human. Yes, we're all human. We all make mistakes. We all learn from it. And oftentimes, one of the things I used to get asked was, well, what happens to you? Do you not experience negative thoughts? And it's, we experience them every single day. It's more so, how do we choose to externalize them? What is that inner dialogue that we have with, within us when we have that thought that allows us to almost, for me, what it does is I try and convert that into another form of energy. I try and flip that as far as, okay, this is a negative thought. What am I learning from it? So I immediately try and flip it into a positive before I externalize it. Is there something that you do that helps you with that inner dialogue as far as processing? And then how do you externalize that to, uh, to your uh, environment and people? So one of them is it's uh, the big part of it is really reframing. And it was the word that you had used earlier is like, mm-hmm. what is the evidence out there to that, that contradicts my current negative belief, whatever that happens to be. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, I'll give you an example. I was working for a company a long, a long time ago where they brought me in to do stress management training because they were looking at, uh, they had announced that they were potentially going to outsource their entire IT department. And mm-hmm. they gave people a six months heads up to say, hey, this is what we're thinking about. And, you know, 95% chance you're going to have a job in your same office, you may, it may be, your paycheck may be signed by somebody different, 
but there, you know, one of these, you know, two things is going to happen. Um, and then, you know, a very small percentage of you may be, you know, laid off, but we're giving you a heads up so you can go into the future eyes wide open and make whatever decision is best for you and your family. Now you would think that, you know, I mean, there's so few companies that are that open uh, mm -hmm. that you would think that it would be well received. It was not. People immediately started circling the drain with their thinking and, and started accusing the company of, well, you know, they're not giving us the whole story and blah, 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 blah. We did an entire workshop on reframing. I mean, the power of that. And, and so literally when I walked in, I said, what's all, let's, let's make a list of all the evidence that the company is not being fair and honest and open. And we spent 20, 30 minutes on that. You know, I uh, flip charted all of it. I said, okay, great. Anything else? No, we'd finally exhausted it. And I said, well, what's the evidence that they maybe do care about their employees? And it was quiet for a while, but I waited. And then people were like, well, you're here. They certainly didn't have to hire you. You know, if they were looking to cut costs, they wouldn't have had that expense. And mm -hmm. then gradually people started adding things to the mix. And we literally, through the course of an hour and a half, changed their entire inner dialogue about what was happening to them. Because they realized, you know, I would ask them questions after a while, after we got rolling. And I'd say, you know, you know, who among you has a friend who was let go with no notice whatsoever and no more than two weeks severance? Every single hand in the room went up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and I said, you know, what this company has given you is a gift. You may not like it. And you may, you know, choose to put your head in the sand for the next six months waiting for whatever decision they make. But that's a choice that you're making. Mm -hmm. They're giving you a chance to do something completely different. They're getting, you know, who, who among us gets six months notice to go look for another job and still get paid at the same time? If in yeah. fact, they, but they made it clear, we don't want you to do that because 90, you know, the odds are that 95% plus of you are still going to be here. Mm -hmm. You know, but they, they, it was just the natural and it feeds off each other. You know, you get one person who's that cancer in the organization who's only happy if everyone around them is equally unhappy. Mm -hmm. And then it just spirals out of control. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you really, it's a conscious choice. When did it make sense to you that we have a choice when it comes to, it seems like almost anything in life? Really, when I read Martin Seligman's book on learned optimism, uh, and that was probably 12 years before I did that stress management workshop for the company I was talking about. Uh, that was, it's an amazing book and it really gets into, you know, how do we learn to be helpless you know, or, you know, you know, how do we spiral down that negative path? Cause he breaks up thinking into, is it personal? Is it permanent? And it, is it pervasive? So somebody who's a true mm -hmm. pessimist, well, you know, if they have a bad tennis game, they're not going to say I'm a bad tennis player or I had a bad day. They're going to say I'm a bad athlete. They're going to make it broader than tennis. Uh, it's me. So it's not just the day, it's not just the game, it's me, and it's gonna affect everything I do, pervasive. You know, so permanent, per personal, and pervasive. And you begin to change the way you think with all of that, uh, and it, it does make a difference in terms of your level of optimism. I didn't even actively work through the exercises in his book, but mm -hmm. 10 years later when I took the test again, I was markedly more optimistic than I had been the decade before. Mm -hmm. The reason why I ask that question is because I've always been curious when it comes to this power of choice yeah. that we all have access to, I, I believe. And the reason why is there is a topic that I begin to explore and that topic was failure. And I just really begin to develop curiosity into it as far as if failure is just a thought, therefore it's not permanent. 
it's a temporary thought that we experience. But I think sometimes we associate all of these different feelings and emotions to it, which makes it seem like it's permanent. It makes it seem like, oh, there's no way I'll ever get out of it. But really, if you think about it, every time, every time I failed, every time I've, I've fallen down, I was able to get back up. And so that phrase of, I think it's uh, fall down seven, get up eight, it's true. But it, it, that's the hardest thing, I think, to put yourself in position when it comes to reframing is understanding that, yes, you may be experiencing this difficulty now, but what can you learn from it? And know that you have gone through other challenges, which kind of goes back to the theme of today's episode that you and I are having as far as, yes, we're experiencing this pandemic. And yes, there are certain things that are being put in place that may be restricting, restricting us from some of the normal life that we had prior to this, but we can still find opportunities within it because we've always found opportunities within all of the other challenges that we had prior to this. And it's amazing how quickly things shift once you do that. Like for mm -hmm. example, uh, a few years back, I had joined a company for a short period of time and I won't get into the details, but for a variety of reasons, it was not a good uh, fit personally or professionally. Mm -hmm. And so now I had given up a lot of what I had created on my own in order to take that position. And so there was that scarcity mentality at first of, okay, well, you know, what happens if I leave? I'm not going to have a paycheck. It's going to take me a while. They, you know, in the speaking business, you don't necessarily always get a gig next week. You know, people right. are planning out a lot, you know, more in the future. And I thought, you know, and so there was this hesitation of, you know, what, do I, what am I going to do for money if I leave here? And I, this went on for a couple of months because I was going back and forth and trying to make it work, which is swimming upstream, which you're not really, it's not a good idea. If you feel like you're swimming upstream, you probably are. And you <laughs> think about, you know, why am I doing this? And I remember at one point, my attorney said, why do you want to work with these jerks? And, I, and it was a Thursday afternoon. It was like 6.15. And I said, you know what? You're exactly right. I don't. And so I said, you know what? I just need to trust in the universe. So I went back. And I sent them an email and I said, we need to talk about transitioning the clients because you know, this is not going to work out and I'm going to move on. Um, and literally, you know, of course, that was this great, great leap of faith. I kid you not, that was 6.15 on Thursday night. At 6 o'clock the next morning, 6 a.m., I got an email from a client I hadn't heard from in about three years. And he said, Rob, we think you'd be the perfect person for a project we've got. And it was a six month engagement or it was an engagement for doing ride along coaching for some of their team. And it literally paid for my expenses for the next six months. Wow. It was as if I had been leaning against the door of abundance, trying to keep it shut. Mm -hmm. You know, that's how I felt, you know, in that letting go. It's like, I have a friend who always says, you know, when you uh, take the first step, the universe meets you more than halfway. The universe met me way more than halfway, but they needed, you know, I needed to take the step of leaving the job. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're unhappy and things are not working, don't keep doing it. You know, um, you talked about permanence before. A friend of mine's mom has a great expression, which I love and I use it a lot. Nothing is more permanent than you make it. Huh. Yeah. It really is as simple as that. Yeah. Nothing is more permanent than you make it because if you think about it, you give the power to your thoughts and, and considering how many thoughts you experience on a daily basis, last I heard was like 50 or 60,000, just some number that I can't even conceptualize as far as what that even looks like. That's a lot of thoughts. 
And some of them just flow by, so you don't even recognize them. Others you choose to focus on and put your attention on. And I, I think that's a very interesting takeaway from this conversation is nothing is more permanent than you make it. Yeah, and it's really interesting how when you, when you get your thoughts flowing in a different way, you mm-hmm. had asked earlier about tools. The single best tool I've ever used is a gratitude journal. And what I started keeping this gratitude journal as a way of being grateful in advance for things. It's not mm. just about being grateful for, oh, I'm grateful for my health and I'm grateful for this, I'm grateful for that. Mm-hmm. And, and by the way, when you do it, you have to do it with feeling. You can't just, you know, because my brother and I were talking about it and he said, you know, I did it for a while, but it, it started to feel rote. And I thought about it. I'm like, yeah, I had that experience too. The difference is what you have to do is you have to literally let your face light up with a smile. It's like, you know, I'm, I'm <laughs> happy that this person's in my life. I'm happy that I have my health. I'm grateful for all the client engagements that are coming my way. I did this back in October because I was looking at my December calendar and I was like, wow, after having a super busy year, December was looking a little barren. And I thought, okay, well, I could sit around and worry about that. Or I could just be grateful in advance that things are going to take care of themselves. I kid you not. Within December became one of the busiest months I had. And it's not like I was out there prospecting and knocking on doors saying, Hey, you, you want to hire me? Don't you? Uh, mm-hmm. It was all word of mouth type stuff and people who had contacted me about other things. And it just, it all came together. And it was by putting that vibration out there of trusting that it will happen. You know, we're radio stations. We're all mm-hmm. broadcasting constantly. And so I don't want my broadcast to be this broadcast of lack and there's not enough and I want this and I want that. Cause if you look up the word want in the dictionary, it means lack. Mm. And so you're project, anytime you say you want something, you're letting the universe know that you don't have it. Uh, it's a do- totally different experience to be grateful for it in advance. Mm-hmm. How do you ask for it then? If without uh, using the word want, uh, it's, it's a tricky, that's why I usually just say, uh, rather than say, this is what I want, mm-hmm. you know, I am you know, grateful that this is showing up in my life. Got it. Got it. Yeah. It's, it's more of a prayer of gratitude and thanks in advance, as opposed to, you know, and it's, you have to be, you can't be too attached to, because there's also the concept of this or something better. Mm. That's a really interesting point because one one of the things that I've been curious about is this concept of manifestation and how does it actually work. And in my opinion, I don't think I'll ever find that ultimate answer because if I did, well, then I could manifest anything, right? Mm-hmm. I think the process for certain things will be different. The time frame will be different, but the the mindset and the kind of the approach that you take to each one is relatively similar, but I've always been curious as far as here's a thing that you would like to have happen. But at the same time, you also have to consider that in reality, I don't know what the percentage is, but it's really high. At least in my life, it has been. That thing has never been that thing when it actually happened. It has always been a different form and different shape and came at a completely different time. In fact, sometimes during the most random of times, the thing happens. And so I've always been curious as far as, well, if that's true, how do you continue to maintain that belief and understanding that, yes, it may not come in that same exact shape that you envision, 
but it's going to come. And what is that internal message that you continue to repeat within yourself to reassure yourself that it can happen? Well, part of it is if you're having a conversation that about something you don't have in your mm-hmm. mind, you don't even have to, you were talking about internal versus external. You could be having this all internally. If you are focused on the fact that you don't have something, that's what you're attracting into your experience is more of not having. Mm-hmm. And so a, a key thing is, is literally, and you said an important thing when you were talking about manifesting and it's not showing up at the time that you thought or in the way that you thought, well, it's, I would argue it's because you let go. And the, mm. when we let go, if we're, if we're holding on to something really tight, it's going to slip through our fingers. If we're open to a different way for it to show up and that it doesn't, you know, if we stop trying to movie direct our life and let the universe, work <laughs> magic, you know, it, it works a, a whole analogy. lot better. Mm-hmm. You know, as an example, I'll give you my, one of my favorite tools for this. And I, I, I will confess, I've only done this a couple of times because it, it works so well. It scared me in a way. Uh, my friend Dave Tillman, who's a, uh, he's an intuitive, gave me this exercise and I love it. He calls it the five sense visualization. And so what you do is you get all five of your senses buzzing at the same time. So like in the scenario at the time, I'll tell you exactly what happened. I had been doing contract training for a company where they would hire me to go out and speak to their clients. But I said, you know, I want my own clients. I don't want to you know, just have, because I knew that I'd make more money and be more uh, you know, I'd be happier just doing my own thing where I would have a little bit more control of that. Mm-hmm. So I put it out there that that was what I was looking for. And I did this five sense visualization and it, it's going to sound weird, but this is what happened. So you need to get your, your taste buds going. So I got Altoids. Uh, now I would probably use the Listerine breast strips, but anything that gets a big you know, flavor in your mouth. Uh, smell, paper money has a smell. So if you're going for huh. financial abundance, that's a good choice. Um, for touch, you hold something that makes you feel confident. So for me, I was holding a copy of the book that I had written, Getting Your Foot in the Door, You Don't Have a Leg to Stand On, which is more for job searchers uh, that I had written a while back. So that made me feel confident because that had opened up a lot of doors for me. Uh, but if you you know have a shirt that makes you feel particularly masculine or sexy or whatever, you can do that. Um, there's the uh, visualization part of it, which is just literally imagining what it is that you're looking for and, and picturing it happen. Picture yourself there. So I was picturing myself doing workshops, you know, for companies that were not, you know, clients of the, the company that I've been doing the contract training for. And then last was music. Um, so I put on literally 15 minutes of really upbeat music. And the thing that occurred to me, just because I've loved it since I was a little kid, I turned on a bunch of Beach Boys songs because it's all summer and fun and, you know, nothing, there's nothing heavy in their lyrics. And so for 15 minutes, I danced around the room and just, it was was fun. Okay, right? So then I put my uh, headphones down and I walked over to the computer and I kid you not, it was two minutes later, I got an email from McDonald's Corporation hiring me for a gig. Mm. And the woman said, I saw you speak six months ago. And she said, I thought you were great. I would love to hire you to work with our team. That fast. Mm -hmm. Wow. Final thought for today's episode. And this is something that I ask a lot of our guests that come onto the show. And that is who or what are you grateful for today? I am very grateful today for a a dear friend of mine in Switzerland who is, she's been having some issues here and there with uh, medical things. And it, she, there's a good chance that she had, or 
has Corona, but she seems to be getting better. So I'm, she's a, a light in my life and I adore her. And so I'm very grateful for her today. That's amazing. Rob, how do people find you? And what are some of the ways that people can inv- get involved with your work? Thank you for asking. Uh, my website is Sullivan Zale, which is Sullivan, S-U-L-L-I-V-A-N-Z-Y-L.com. And the, the Von Zale part is Barry Von Zale is one of my partners. Mm-hmm. And he and I, he was a drummer for Johnny Clegg's band, the South African musician. And so he and I have workshops that we're doing uh, that cover, uh, you know, I work on energy and presence and he has some work that he does in the area of rhythm and innovation and creativity. And so we've brought all that together and we're working with our uh, dear friend, Jocelyn Ross, who is uh, really big into design thinking and innovation mm-hmm. as well. So that's, uh, that's our website for that. Sullivanzale.com. Mm-hmm. By and, the way, yeah. that's, a, that's a really fascinating concept, design thinking. That's something I've started to explore and have more conversations around with different people. And and it's interesting how it works and how it actually can shape your perception of the world and open you up to even more possibilities than you thought were available to you. Yeah. Jocelyn would be an amazing guest for you as well, if that's what you're into, because that's her Mm -hmm. passion. And she, this woman speaks four languages, lights up a room and she's incredible. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Rob, thank you so much. Thank you for being a guest. Thank you for sharing your insights and your experience. And we'll make sure to share all the possible ways that people can get in touch with you with our listeners. Fantastic. Thanks. I appreciate the time. Thank you all for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. If you haven't done so already, feel free to subscribe to our future episodes so you can receive all of the latest content. Also, if you like what you heard, consider leaving us a review on iTunes, Google, or Facebook so more people can find these inspiring and courageous stories. Once again, we thank you for listening and we look forward to having you next week.